Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Listening to Rum Buncher Radio. This is episode number 78. I'm going to call it episode number five of the Dark Ages of Baseball now. The, this newest round of Dark Ages of Baseball. As we come to you here, we record on Monday, March the 7th, and still no baseball, still no signs of baseball. Things seem to be getting worse. At this point, guys, I feel very naive for thinking that we would ever see an on time start and, um, you know, everybody play ball between the players and the owners but um you know maybe we'll get some form of a season we're gonna break all of this down tonight but before we do that guys gotta direct you to rumbunter.com we got a prospect series out right now breaking down some of these minor league guys kind of of course ton of articles out covering uh this lockout as well and everything going on between the owners and the players guys we're gonna talk about all that tonight marty nick how are you doing oh not too bad you know it's be a lot better if we we're in the middle of spring training right now, like we should be. You know, March seventh, we should be what about a week or so into games at this point, and we're not. And you know, games don't appear to be anywhere close at this point, which makes it even all the more, all the more depressing on the baseball front. Yeah, I can only echo that, Marty. You know, it's, um, you know, sad when I'm looking more into the NFL stuff, you know, at this time of the year than baseball stuff. So, um, you know, it's. It's the reality of of the situation um, across for a lot of sport fans right now, um, you know. So hopefully, like Trey said, hopefully we can get something resolved here and at least get an idea of you know when uh, something to look forward to. Need something, um, you know. Minor league baseball, of course, will continue on, but we want the big leaguers on the field. We know at this point the first two series are canceled. We were talking about it before the show. It would, you know, probably at this point be pretty tough to, you know, have baseball until, you know, maybe a month or, or even more than that if they were to get, you know, things figured out immediately. So obviously things still very much so up in the air. Um, but, you know, at this point, guys, I, I'm with you. I thought we would have baseball. Of course, the players and the owners, both sides at this point, not wanting to play ball. This is something we expected, but I didn't think it would get to this extent. And, you know, uh, from the jump, I was with the players. But at this point, I really don't know. What do you guys think about this most recent proposal by the MLPA? Their first since we found out we would miss those first two series. Talk about some of the details in this most recent proposal. What you guys like, what you guys think these two sides are going to compromise on. And, you know, which side to back at this point? Because it seems like nobody is willing to reach an agreement. Marty, you want to get us started? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I still put most of the blame for this squarely defeat of ownership in Major League Baseball. Um you know, everyone's goal in life should be to find someone who loves them as much as Rob Manfred hates the game of baseball. <laughs> um, it's just, it, it's maddening to see. I mean, I realize both sides have moved on some things, but for the most part, like the owners aren't even willing to make a lot of movement, a lot of concessions and what, what they're offering at the table. 
And, you know, it's been reported that the owners have come out and said they're willing to sacrifice the first six to eight weeks of the season because they know early in the season with attendance numbers always being down in April because of weather and school and things of that nature, they're not really going to lose any money anyway. So, you know, I still think the owners deserve a majority of the blame here. Sure, the players need some blame, but I just think, you know, a lot of people – and this is what the owners are fighting, or the players, excuse me, are fighting for. And you see a lot of players saying they're doing this more for future generations, more so than themselves. Is a lot of people just don't realize how low quality life can be as a minor league baseball player if you weren't someone with this huge signing bonus in the draft. Um, you know, actually, this past Saturday night, we were out with uh, my oldest son, a couple of his buddies, and their parents, and his one friend's stepdad used to pitch in the A's minor league system. And he and I were talking about baseball. That's what he said. Like he still remembers the days of having to sleep in the clubhouse and making pillows out of his clothes and out of his duffel bag because he didn't have anything else. He had nowhere else to go. And, you know, that's the kind of thing that the players are really trying to push for to make a change here. And that's, you know, where to me it's difficult to really truly side with the owners here in this mess. Yeah, I'm definitely, Marty. I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Obviously, there's going to be blame on both sides, and that's going to be any negotiation. But – you know, the players are fighting to get, like you said, a, a better way of life, a better, you know, better start to their careers when, you know, just like we see in any, honestly, in any career um, for the most part across America, you know, when you're younger and you need the money more, you don't make the money. Um, so, you know, it's one of those like, you know, what they're asking for is, you know, on paper to me is a very um, small amount compared to what they're already making, you know, the percentage increase on that. Um, and, you know, they're doing that because they know that the owners are just going to continue to make more and more money. The Every time there's a new TV contract signed, a new sponsorship deal, it's always going to be worth more money, right? Because that's going to be, that's the expectation. So, you know, the players are saying, you know, we, we got to start making a little more money too, you know? And it's, again, it's like Marty said, it's not about Mike Trout and Acuna and what Brian Reynolds might get. Okay. It's, it's more about, you know, some of these young players who are bouncing up and down back and forth between the minors and triple a, or I'm sorry, the minors and the big club, but you know, it's a reality that there's more of those players and more of that happening than there are guys making, you know, 20 plus million a year. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. And, you know, it's been good to see the, the PA recognize this and, you know, really look out for these guys and, you know, it's been a hard nose. They've been stubborn about it, no doubt. And it's reasonable. It's kind of why I think it's so easy to antagonize these owners throughout this whole process. I saw Nittany, uh, the dog, make an appearance there on camera. You guys can only hear us. You can't see us. But good to see Nittany's doing well. Um, you know, th this is a, a pretty reasonable proposal, I think, for the most part. Um, you know, one thing that really caught my eye here, no more shifting is going to be allowed uh, <laughs> at the big league level. How do you guys feel about that? I think it's you know, a rule that probably won't affect baseball a, a ton, but, um, you know, something that kind of limits some strategy as well here. That's really the the one thing that caught my eye about this most recent proposal. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I think, like, I kind of get what you're saying in terms of it not affecting baseball because it's one of those things, if you do away with it, 
then like it, that's it for everyone. So the game and the game's just going to go on. It's not exactly. like, a, it's not like you're taking away second base or something, you know, but um, <laughs> you know, like I, don't, I don't know if I necessarily agree with, you know, the whole philosophy behind banning the shift, you know, and a lot of people are questioning that on social media already. Like what, what does that all entail? Like, are you allowed to move your infield in, you know, for a bases loaded situation um, you know, is it going to be just infielders have to stay on the infield dirt? Like, you know, so what exactly is that going to look like? You know, I, I can understand it to an extent, um, you know, as a baseball purist, you know, and for fans like baseball purist fans, I should say it's, it's upsetting because, you know, it's been a part of the game and it's like you said, strategy and with the installation of a designated hitter in the national league, like, you know, now you're taking another piece of strategy out of the game. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, this is, this is what, like Marty said, this is what Rob Manfred and his regime are kind of pushing to do is make the game more offensive, more entertaining to watch. And, you know, people, people don't go, um, to the game to, to watch, uh, you know, a third baseman playing out in the no man's land and right center field. Um, you know, so that's what it comes down to, um, is trying to get more offense and more entertainment into the game. And, you know, that's one of those, it's, like I said, as a, a baseball purist hates it, but you know, a casual fan who's going to the game, who's confused why there's eight guys on the right side, of, you know, not eight guys, but you know, I mean, like, you know, it's just uh, you, not, not the best for the average consumer, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, you hit the nail on the head there, Nick. It's, it's about the average consumer at this one. Cause you know, me part, I, I think it's stupid. It's like, what are you trying to accomplish? It's just, it takes so much out of the game. You know, and I know a lot of the old school people don't like shifting either, but man, it'd be like Roger Goodell passing a law or a rule. I mean, uh, you know, you can't blitz or you can't use a certain defensive front, something like that. It's no just, more motions. Yeah. No more pre-snap motion. Like, like it's just, it's silly. It's, it's nothing that's going to have a ma- I don't think it's going to have a major impact on the game anyway. I'm sure it'll lead a little bit more offense. I don't think it's going to lead to a ton more offense. Um, Cause like my question becomes, and like you said, Nick, there, there's still some gray area here. So like, what do you consider shifting? Like putting your second baseman in shallow right field or their shortstop band, second base teams used to do that to Ted Williams. That's been going on forever. Like, is that going to be banned? Cause if it's not, you're not going to see a big change. Cause the main reason you shift are left-handed heavy pull hitters who if you can still do that traditional left-handed heavy pull hitter defense, you're not going to see a change. It's just, it's almost like you, when you get to some of this stuff with the shift, the larger bases, which is, I don't even, I just, I don't get it. Uh, the pitch clock I can at least get on board with, but it's for the most part, a lot of the stuff is just rearranging deck furniture on the Titanic. It's not the big stuff. It's not what's holding this up. It's not what's causing this lockout to drag on. And the more you focus on those things, the more those things are focused on negotiations, you know, the further away we are from the end, you know, the competitive balance tax is probably the biggest singular issue in this lockout right now. And that along with super two and pre-arbitration stuff until those issues get worked out as well as what they're going to do with the postseason, 
it doesn't matter. They're not going to go anywhere because those are your three biggest problems with this. Yeah, and, you know, Marty, the, the pitch clock thing, you know, you bring up, that's a very interesting thing. You know, as a former pitcher myself, like, you know, I, I can understand um, the idea of trying to keep a pace in a game. You watch someone – you know, just watch one pitcher versus another pitcher. And it's like a completely different, um, you know, time span between pitches. So I get that they want to try to make that more consistent. And I thought a a good parallel, honestly, I saw on Twitter was uh, it was, I think actually an article looking back when they put the shot clock into the NBA or basketball in general, and just very similar that people couldn't believe like, you know, how does that make sense? And it's like, now here we are. And it's like pretty normal to us. And, you know, no one Mm -hmm. questions. So one of those things that it might be weird at first, but again, you know, how much is it really affecting the actual game on the field? Um, You know, I don't think as, you know, as much as, um, you know, we would notice at least. What? Yeah. I mean, I was just gonna say the, again, I agree. The pitch clock thing is not the end of the world. Is you know you, you see pitchers out there just Tim Hunt around on the mound sometimes just to buy a bullpen time or whatever it is, and it could be maddening. And you know the shot the shot clock comparison is a great one. And you, you know go if you want to see you can still kind of compare that. Go to a high school basketball game and watch a team who's got a big lead in the last three minutes. They hold that ball to no extent. And it's maddening and frustrating as hell. So again, the pitch clock I get. I think some good could come of that, but ultimately it's, it's not one of the big issues. <clears throat> excuse me, them settling on that is not going to solve this problem. No, not at all. And, you know, this one kind of has some gray area too. You know, what's the penalty if you if you don't meet the time? Is it a balk? Um, you know, when does the clock start? Just these little details, I think, within these little issues even, uh, you know, a little bit confusing. And Nick, you said pandering there. I think a lot of these rule changes, the ones that, you know, we talk about like playoff expansion or, or a draft lottery, a pitch clock, it really, you know, kind of panders to the general fan because baseball – you know, while they try to evolve, uh, I think you're going to make moves like this to, um, you know, bring in that general fan a little bit more often here. But just some weird ones. Like you said, Marty, some of the arbitration stuff, and that is really the big ticket issues. In a perfect world, you know, what do these what do these rules look like post-CBA? You know, in a realistic world, what does it look like? What needs to happen as far as Super 2 and, and arbitration and these things? What needs to happen there to really, you know, get baseball moving in the right direction? I mean, I think super too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it, it's to me, I feel like that's such an easy problem to solve. At least the, the way I look at it, if you could get the players to agree to keep it at seven years of team control and get the owners to agree on an expanded super two money poll, opening the door for players to debut on the opening day roster. I just, I feel like it's a win-win because as a team, yeah, you're going to have to pay more money down the road, but you're still going to get those seven years of control and you're going to get more games on the front end of it. And as players, yeah, it's going to take you, still going to take you seven years to get free agency, but if you expand that Super 2 pool, you're going to get paid more. You're still going to get paid, you know. So I don't know. And it's just – and I understand a few games that being the season may seem meaningless, but, you know, I wrote something about this recently. You go back to 2013, the Pirates lost the division by two games – if Garrett Cole's in that opening day rotation, odds are they win two more games somewhere along the way between some of the starts from, you know, Jonathan Sanchez out there not struggling to get through three innings and stuff like that. 
And then, you know, you go to the NLDS against St. Louis, maybe game five that year is in Pittsburgh, and just who knows how much it changes stuff. You know, it's it's. I, I think that's where you would get teams on board with this more, you know, those teams who feel like, hey, we can contend this year, but we don't want this guy coming up yet because we don't want to get saddled down the road with losing a year of control or having to pay a bunch, whatever it might be. If you give them incentive to have those guys on the roster on opening day, to help you try and make a playoff push, make a push for the division. I think that could solve it. And, you know, I know this is kind of a separate topic I'm sure we'll get into, but that's where I feel too, that the expanded playoffs proved to be a a negative for baseball because it takes away a lot of incentive to put value on the regular season. And that's, I'm going to build right off that Marty, you know, it's, it's again, I'm going to go back to what I've been talking about is putting a better product for on the field and, you know, look at the pirates this year and how many different um, young prospects they could have up in this lineup uh, if they weren't concerned with super two, you know, we even talk about a guy like O'Neill Cruz who, you know, we, we think probably they're going to just uh, get him on the roster and ignore it. But like, what about, you know, Ronzi Contreras, someone who, you know, they showed last year, they were ready to bring him up chances are there's no reason to bring them up until super twos pass this year. But at the same time you get rid of super tune, he's up and you know, the beginning of the year that at least gives pirate fans something to pay attention mm-hmm. to and want to watch and look forward to rather than, you know, whatever minor league veteran they sign who makes it out of spring training. I mean, again, that that's where I'm at with it. If it gets, you know, and it kind of goes with what you're saying, Marty. Like, if it gets a better quality a product on the field, then, you know, you're going to put other teams, you know, make other teams more competitive. So, and, you know, to build off that too, I feel, again, this is where, at least in my mind, there's incentive to ownership here to do this because take the Pirates. It's April. They're playing whoever. You don't expect the team to go anywhere. The weather stinks. If you have O'Neill Cruz at shortstop instead of Kevin Newman, and you have Ronji Contreras jerseys, yeah, exactly. You've got Ronji Contreras toeing the rubber. Hell, even say you've got Travis Swaggerty in left field instead of whatever career journeyman you throw out there. Like people are going to be enticed to come see these guys. They know these names. They know who they are. That's going to put butts in the seat. That's going to sell more tickets. More people are going to watch on TV. Nick, like you said, you're going to be selling merchandise. Like you're going to make more money. So yes, even though you might have to pay these guys more, you're going to make more money in those early season games. In addition to making your team more competitive, which is going to make you more money. So in the end, I'm sure it comes out as a net win for ownership because if nothing else, you're cultivating this next group of building block players that can give, you know, if you are the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Baltimore Orioles, whoever it may be is rebuilding right now, give your fans a glimpse of the future Give them some hope and give them some reason to come to the ballpark in a season where you're not expecting to contend or compete. Yeah, and another point of view I want to talk about that too that we haven't really touched on is the the player side of this. Like, you know, how many players maybe careers get thrown off because they don't get that opportunity right away. They're killing it in AAA and they don't understand why they're not getting called up. Um, you know, people tell them it's because of Super 2, but still they know what they're doing on the field. They see what's going on in the big league roster. They know that they could be making a difference. And 
you know, mentally they get defeated. I mean, we, we saw that, you know, with one of our own prospects, Alan Hansen, a few years back. Now there was other things that played into that, but, you know, one of the biggest things was that September that he thought he was going to get called up for and he, he didn't. And, you know, he himself said that he felt pretty defeated by that because he had such a, you know, a really nice year. Um, you know, it was a little different circumstance, but, you know, it's, my point is it's, you know, a better, once again, it's improving the quality of life for some of these minor leaguers to get them called up, you know, and rather than keeping them down just for a couple months, just to risk them maybe getting hurt or, you know, going into some sort of funk that they can't get out of because they're mentally just not there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is, you know, one of, I think, several things. It just exemplifies baseball getting in the way of baseball. I mean, this is butts and seats, you know, eyeballs on the television, jerseys sold, whatever you want to call it. This helps rebuilding teams. This helps small market teams. This would be something, um, you know, like you said, that, that would even help, you know, the players' mental, uh, you know, health and, and their standing, their careers, everything else. This is, um, you know, something that I think could really be beneficial and, you know, would be a net gain, like you said, Marty, for the owners. So, you know, a little bit confusing on that one there. Nick, you had an article out this week, though, on the international potential for an international draft, what we could see in the future there. This was proposed by the owners. Talk about the details of, of their proposal on an international draft. And, you know, do you guys see this actually happening? Yeah. Um, yeah. The international draft, it's been an idea that's been kicked around now for a few years. Baseball America has been kind of on it um, with the reporting that this was something the league, you know, wanted to, to look into. Um, you know, I think in the last round of CBA talks, uh, I remember seeing this. So um, overall, it, it sounds like it's going to be similar to uh, the MLB amateur draft at the rule four one we see every year where, you know, teams have a certain allotment that they can spend. I saw something around like 15 million uh, would be the, the, the budget, which actually is a little more uh, than you would see um, for the u.s draft but at the same time you're pulling from probably a larger pool of players um you're looking at they're saying 20 rounds which is significant that's deep um along with um you know slot amounts for each of those picks so i think um you know the question is is like how do they select who's picking where um i've seen something about it just being like a rotating order my only real issue with that is like, I mean, so you're going to get a pick every 30 years. You're going to get the top pick. I don't know. That seems, but at the same time, I guess what's the difference, right? Like, I, I don't know, but I feel like there's gotta be a better way of figuring that out. Yeah. Yeah. But you would think <laughs> that's, I mean, you know, that that's kind of what's on the table right now. Um, that I, I would assume some sort of lottery system, um, you know, I saw something also saying they would have competitive, uh, competitive balance rounds. Like we see, um, in the regular draft, which is always great for the pirates. Cause they always get an extra pick either after the first or second round this year, they get it after the second round and, you know, it's extra money that they're able to spend in the draft. And of course, you know, just another quality guy that they can grab. So, you know, there's definitely um, positives to it. I think the positive is, you know, allowing teams that all have an opportunity, um, you know, just to keep this simple, 
you're seeing you see a lot of these top prospects sign with you know a lot of the similar organizations um you know and it's it's partially because of the relationships they build and the the bonus of course but also because you know there's more um you know who wouldn't want to go be a yankee right who wouldn't want to go be a red Sox versus being a royal or a pirate right now right so you know how much that actually weighs in obviously isn't a ton but it definitely can be the difference between signing between two you know two or three different teams so i think it at least gives an even playing field in terms of you know for that um and of course just beyond that um all the manipulation and um extortion that goes on in the, especially Latin America for these young players. Um, you know, this sounds like it's going to be an opportunity to really uh, allow the MLB to kind of get more involved with the Latin American uh, baseball world and make sure that, you know, things are being done uh, more properly, at least more ethically. Yeah. Like you said, it's always been a very, in, in ways, dirty system for lack of a better way of putting it. Um, you know, for the making a comparison, some people listening will understand. If you think AAU basketball can get dirty with this kind of stuff, AAU basketball looks squeaky clean compared to what you can see in their national free agency at times. Um, I don't know. I, I agree with the draft thing. In theory, it's a great idea, but there's got to be a better way of doing it than rotating picks. I, and maybe some of this is just the cynic in me. But I remember back to when they changed the amateur draft and the way that just completely was done to screw over small market teams, largely because the Red Sox decided to pitch a fit over the Josh Bell stuff. Um, I just feel like right now international free agency is one of the few areas where small market teams can still get a bit of an advantage because they can go out and add more pool money at the deadline in the off season when they're moving pieces. And like you said, I haven't really been able to the last two years. Yeah, but it's still a lot of it comes down to relationships. And if you forge those relationships and again, maybe with the pirates, it's a little bit different because so many kids growing up in Latin America want to play for the pirates because of Roberto Clemente. So that gives the pirates more of an advantage. than a lot of these small market teams have, I'm sure it's not a coincidence. That's why we see the pirates have success in international free agency, more so than a lot of the, you know, non-traditional powers, but yeah, in theory, it's a great idea, but don't make it rotating picks. Do something. Even if you make it a lottery, so you don't, the trying, I understand like the draft lottery, they're pushing forward the amateur draft to try and avoid tanking. You know, <clears throat> well, I mean, this is a different subject. Well, I don't think that's going to make much of a difference, but still, if you want to do something like that, draft lottery, the top 10 picks and make 11 through 30 finish off standings, something because ultimately you can't, at least in my opinion, you can't have a year if you're going to do this international draft where, let's say, you know, Dodgers, Red Sox, Cubs, Yankees, whoever it is, wins the World Series, and then they have the number one pick in the international draft somehow. Like, it's just, yeah. you can't let that happen. There's got to be something. Even if you randomize or rotate 11 through 30 and, you know, lottery the top 10, there just has to be something better. Lottery all of it. Lottery yeah, every draft if you want to. Yeah. Playoff. Just do something to figure out the pro- sure, you know, the percentages. Yeah, just just do something to make sure you're giving these teams who need a draft system to build up through the farm, whatever it might be. You're at least giving them a chance. 
Yeah, and, you know, I think what you said, Marty, about the Pirates, like having kind of a little more of an advantage with in Latin America because of their success, you know, we haven't really seen them take advantage of that, though, until more recent. I mean... No, I agree, which is frustrating as hell because if you look at some of the big signing bonuses and stuff they've given out... Outside it's, of Marte and when healthy Gregory Polanco, no one ever panned out, but they weren't exactly big signing bonuses either. You know what I mean? True. That's true. It, but that's kind of my thing. Like Luis Heredia was our biggest signing, and you know, as we find out, that was a scam essentially. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, um, but no, like, like shafted with Miguel Sano, and you know, it's just yeah, like it's, it's pirates, I guess. I mean, that's Renee Gallo, and, you know, to just kind of go in that direction, I guess, since we're, we're talking about it, you know, it's some of the issues we're talking about and why it might be just best to get an international draft. You have Pirates' former head of international scouting, Renee Gallo, who they literally found out was basically lying about prospects' abilities to get the Pirates to pay a little more for them, So, and he would get an extra cut from – I believe it was mainly Mexican league teams that he was. Yeah, I think that sounds right. And then, you know, a few years before that, you had the Atlanta Braves front office that got, you know, in a lot of trouble for uh, exploiting um, prospects before they are even of age to sign. When they were like 12 to 14 years old, they were like exploiting (laughs) them, working out these package deals with them and, you know, where they would sign so many of them and give money like backdoor money deals like it just john hart and john cup i don't even know how to say his last name i can't remember i know who you're talking about john Capello or yeah. Capello or whatever but you know just in the last five to seven years we've seen multiple people get banned from baseball for what they're doing in the international market you know you hear stuff about the dodgers and how they um you know, are considered to be one of the more sketchy teams as well with how they scout and treat these Latin American players and um, trainers. So I, I think it's, like I said, in terms of just being able to hopefully clean up the game a little bit, you know, in Latin America, it's a good thing, but I do agree with you that it, 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 it is kind of taking away a cool element, you know, it's a different element to the to the, to the sport that the other sports don't really have, um, but at the same time, I think that's what they're looking at to go back to the entertainment value. You know, if this gives them, a, you know, a TV spot in the middle of January and can generate some revenue, um, you know, it's going to be good for them as well. Yeah. One other thing, Marty, you said about building relationships. You know, and we saw that with the pirates this past draft, right. With Bubba Chandler and, you know, Henry Davis and those, those guys trying to, the pirates worked out so much pre stuff with them and talking to them. So, you know, Lonnie white was another one. They were really working behind the yeah, scenes for yeah. a long time. So, you know, I get what you're saying to an extent, but it, you know, there definitely is still ways that teams have, you know, worked around that, like you said, in a way, going back to when they first put this in and we were upset about it. Like we're not that upset by this system anymore because 
you know, teams have figured it out and they have still made it um, a little more small market friendly with the competitive balance and, you know, that sort of stuff. I could hear the anger in Marty's voice when uh, when he brought up Lonnie White there. He was cheating on Penn State at the time to uh, to do to have those conversations. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I think dirty was a great word for it. It needs to be cleaned up. I think this would be a great way to do it. Standardize it a little bit more for baseball. Um, you know, and, and maybe we see a you know a process that is really consistent and um, you know works out well. But you know, it is deep. It's twenty rounds. How does that affect the the amateur draft in America? I mean, you know, there's less minor league spots now. You know, would it would an influx like that kind of change the way that that the draft works for the kids in the states? Yeah, I mean, I think we already kind of saw that happen. You know, when the twenty twenty draft, the league really kind of took advantage of using that as a reason to cut some more rounds. Um, and like you said, and then of course they take that next step to cut the minor um, league teams. You know, in terms of twenty rounds of international free agents. Um, it's not, that's not that many really. Uh, you know, you see teams typically sign around that amount each year um, in some capacity. The Pirates one year, I think we're uh, close to like three guys they signed. So it just depends on, you know, where you are organizationally that year. Um, so I don't think it would affect too much of that, but it would be interesting um to see like, you know, how one of those drafts, I guess, affects the other. Um, you know, if, it, if you see like, you know, Hey, this draft is very pitcher heavy amateur wise here in the States where the international ones were hitter friendly. So our team's going to change your draft strategies based off of, you know, those things are not, um, you know, I, I think that, could be potentially in play, but I don't think, um, you know, in terms of like changing roster sizes and things like that, uh, we would see much effect. Yeah. And even with the change in the draft strategy, I'm not sure much an impact it would have because ultimately, you know, an international free agency amateur guy, nine times out of 10 is still a good bit further away from the majors than someone coming out of high school in the States. Just, I mean, for a variety of reasons, you know, a lot of those guys are still, age being a big one are still going to on be top fun. of that. You want the best talent too that you can yeah. get, you know, baseball is you always draft best player available. Yeah. 100%. Which is why this year in the Pirates take yet another middle infielder with a top five pick. I can't wait to watch people complain. Oh, <laughs> <really Yeah>. <laughs> Very bold. Yeah. We're going <clears> to, <throat> we're going to have to wait and see, you know, kind of how it affects it, but um, you know, great points there about position wise, we could see that maybe change some draft strategies, um, you know, some in-season strategies might change, uh, you know, depending on what the playoffs look like in the future. We saw in oh, 2020. Speaking of that, I'm sorry. Speaking of that, that oh. was no, because you just sparked my memory at that, you know, talking in season. One of the deals is that you'll be able to trade these draft picks also. Oh, true. Yeah, I think I saw that on that tweet yeah, there. That, I mean, just in terms of, like you said, strategy, you know, that obviously – you know, could be worth a good bit in, in trade packages now as well. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, this you're is... not only getting the pick, but you're getting the money also with that pick. So that could allow you to do a lot of different things. Um, you know, it's, it's more, it's worth more than just say, you know, pick 15, but also the money that goes with it mm. uh, helps immensely. 
Yeah, the money, like you said, the money would definitely be the big thing there. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, it, you know, it adds a new realm of strategy too with all of that trading picks in season and whatnot. So that's that's going to be another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be an interesting recall to to follow there. But um, you know, we saw in twenty twenty <clears throat> more playoff teams. And sorry, guys, I'm I'm losing my voice here. It's been eighty degrees one day, forty degrees the next day. So uh, <clears throat> yeah, Alabama's got my voice in, in an interesting spot right now. But in twenty twenty, you know, we saw... early March. That must really suck, Trey. Let me. <laughs> I know it's it's just the worst. And forty. Oh wow, horrible. <laughs> has the snow has the snow ended for the season up there for you guys yet? Is it done now? I mean, we'll probably get a couple flurries yet, but we should be on the other side of all the big stuff. Uh, it's hard to say. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that jinx it there. Hopefully, the uh, the warm weather. Our, our freshman year of college, well, yeah, Marty up at UPJ, we got what like ten inches of snow. It was something like that. It was glorious. Oh it's like God. April twenty fourth, and there's like eight. We were, like, inches like snowed of snow. in for like move out day. It was good stuff. <laughs> oh my you God! You know what's up on top of the hill here. <laughs> I've never seen that in January, December down here. So <laughs> I would uh, I would probably appreciate that, to be honest. I know you guys kind of get tired of it up there. But, um, yeah, no, it's it's been feeling good down here. Maybe you guys can come down, do a show at uh, Rum Bunter South Studios to get away from the weather for a little That'd bit. That'd be something. <laughs> come down to, to old, studio. Old <laughs> um, but, yeah, guys, I mean, you know, this is this is another big change that we could see. With the expanded playoffs, I, you know, I liked it in 2020 to an extent, but I've always really loved the, the, you know, competitiveness of making a 10 team playoff. A third of the league gets in instead of, you know, close to half. Uh, I think that's always been a good system for baseball. Obviously, it's, you know, kind of screwed over the Pirates in the past to an extent, but, um, you know, I don't know if I'm in favor of this. I wanted your guys' thoughts on expanded playoffs and, you know, what this would look like if, um, you know, if it was agreed upon. I think for me, the biggest thing with expanded playoffs, <clears throat> and I understand people come out and say, well, the, you know, the NFL takes 14 teams, the NHL takes 16 teams. But when you play a 162 game season, part of playing a 162 game season is you give the cream plenty of time to rise. You know, the best of the best have risen at that point. You know who your 10 best teams are, eight best teams, or many want to take. And I, I also fear i know there's something players have expressed concern and if you expand this to you know six seven eight teams per league where's the incentive at the trade deadline to go out and be bold where's the incentive to you know go all in in an off season to build a playoff contender because if you're looking at let's say that 14 has been the big number let's say you're looking at seven teams per league um making the postseason every year it's, it's going to water things down to an extreme amount. You know, if you're taking the top seven teams from the league, just based solely off record, you could win 82, 83 games and probably be in pretty good shape. There's going to be years we'll probably see teams sub 500 getting in the playoffs. So it's like, you know, where's the incentive for ownership for a team to go out at the deadline to make that bold move? Where's the incentive to get aggressive with your top prospects? to add in the off season, it's not going to be there because if you know, Hey, you know what? We've got a pretty good roster right now. Good to average roster. Good enough to win us 83 to 85 games. That's going to get us in the postseason. You know what they say? All you gotta do is get there and you got a shot. So I think you're going to see that really, that would be in my opinion, the biggest negative impact of expanding the postseason to 14 teams. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I get it for the money wise, 
that's <clears throat> what it's going to come down to. They're trying to generate more revenue. And, you know, if they can somehow make sure that revenue is getting to, you know, more small market teams and meaning they spend more money, then that's great. But like you said, that's a perfect world and it's not always it's not going to happen that way. Um, but and like you said, the whole point of the 162 game season is to, you know, like you said, to, these are the best teams after the long haul, like 162, every, everything evens out in the end. It's a lot of games like, you know, everyone used to joke about Neil Huntington and his 10,000 simulations. Like that's essentially, though, what the 162 game season's doing is it's supposed to, you know, be a large enough sample that the true best teams are the ones that finish on top in the end. So like Marty said, I think in terms of expanding the playoffs, it's you're watering down um, the playoffs in general. But again, from the MLB standpoint, if that means getting more money, which then in turn allows the players to get more money, uh, you know, that's what they're going to do. Here's my thing. If you truly want to expand the playoffs, get rid of the one game wild card. <clears throat> Make it best of three. You know, even if you want to, ex- I don't like expand to 12, but if you're going to expand, expand to 12, do the same thing. The three division winners and the best non division winner get a buy right to the division series and then have those next two teams play best of three. Um, I think the biggest positive change that could and should be made with the MLB postseason is the one game playoff. Like we've said, baseball is about 162 games. There's a reason they play playoff series in baseball. And again, maybe this is me being salty, but a hill I will forever die on is that the 2015 Pittsburgh Pirates were the best team in baseball. And if they don't run into the Arietta buzzsaw in that one-game playoff, they would have won the World Series that year. And, <clears throat> you know, that's not going to be the only example of a team that is arguably the best team in their league, arguably the best team in baseball getting shafted by a stupid one game playoff. And I'm still convinced that sooner or later, it's going to happen to the Dodgers. It's going to happen to the Yankees, somebody like that. And that's, what's going to lead to change because baseball lists when those teams complain. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, something has to change with the wild card. I think, you know, that's, that's been obvious for a few years now. I don't know if, you know, getting to 14 is an answer, um, you know, or, or maybe even getting to 12. I like 12, um, you know, a lot more than nearly half the league, but this would be something that would make more money. I don't know if it would be good for the game ultimately, um, but, you know, maybe it does make it more competitive throughout the season. Uh, but, you know, like you said, Nick, it does water down the end of it, the, the time that matters, the playoffs. So I, I don't know how I feel about this one, like a lot of these new rule changes. But, you know, we'll see which ones make it through here in this CBA. So close it out here tonight, guys. I, you know, I just kind of want to get, get your thoughts on the timeline. I mean, how far until this season is another lost year? You know, how far until this season becomes Mickey Mouse like we saw in 2020? Um, you know, and and I know we don't really know exactly when this is going to get sorted out, but if you guys had to make a prediction on when we see things start to move in a positive direction, you know, if you have any idea when that would be, where, where do you guys see this start to, to take a turn here? Honestly, I, I think it's starting to, you know, just looking through Twitter tonight and, you know, every night it seems like there's some sort of news like, Hey, they talked about this. They agreed on this, you know, and tomorrow they're going to meet. So, I think it's sounding 
like, you know, they're making some progress. I, I don't think we're in jeopardy of losing much more of the season at this point. Um, in fact, I think some of the, the national guys are tweeting about how they, they're still looking at a potential 162-game season and just rescheduling those first two series uh, later in the year. So, you know, it's that's why I mean, hearing that, I you know, I wanna, I'm feeling a little more optimistic, but obviously, you know, we have to kind of hit the brakes with that because as we learned last week, um, you know, the – the MLB was kind of having their reporters put put out, uh, <laughs> you know, positive stuff coming from their side when the players weren't uh, in the same uh, same headspace. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I still think it's a lot of MLB using the reporters that essentially work for them in some fashion, whether it's beat writers, MLB network, whatever it is to try and spin the players as being in the wrong here. They're so really taking hard. advantage of, you know, who. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah but, that guy's hilarious, man. He's, he gets everything wrong. And then, and it's like, and then the one time it looked like he may have been right. was the worst possible time for him. It to was be literally, wrong. he was getting used, but no, <laughs> because they knew he's such a shock. <laughs> We're, we're saying recording on Monday night, and like Nick said, they're supposed to meet on Tuesday, and supposedly MLB has come out and said if they can get a deal done Tuesday, they can still play 162 games. I don't foresee it happening. I mean, if the again, the biggest thing is probably the the complete. Oh my god, the competitive balance tax. MLB's latest proposal was 228 million, and the Players Association's proposal was 263 million. That's a big freaking gap. I, I can't see them overcoming that in one day or at least getting close enough to where they can hammer out some other stuff to go with it. Um, I mean, it sucks, but on on Tuesday, I expect things I expect things to go sideways and for the day to end, which is more games being canceled. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, we're not going to lose a whole season. They won't let that happen, but I – I'm getting more and more to the point where I'll be surprised if we're playing baseball by mid-April. Um, and the thing is, like, they say 162, but it's like, even if they get a deal done tomorrow, you're looking at probably, like, next Monday's best-case scenario to get camps running because you've got to get guys into camps. Physicals are going to need done. Rosters still need filled. If you have guys who are not in the States right now getting their visas renewed and everything, getting them back over here, it's going to be a mess. We see this at the beginning. When spring training starts on time, we see the – the mess that is players trying to flow into camp and report Dude, so, the, the free agency and all that stuff. Like that's like you said, there's just so much stuff that has yeah. to happen before they even would go to camp. Yeah. And then you've got to be in camp for at least like a week before you can start games. And you probably like, want to get at least 15, 20 spring training games. in. guys could get on the plane to go to camp and land and be like, Oh, geez, I was traded. Yeah. Now I have to go to Goodbye. Arizona. Instead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're going to turn around and fly back across the country. And it's just, because it's going to be one thing that's for certain when a lockout does end, it's going to be a wild like 72 hours with Trey. Because you know, a lot of the stuff's still being worked on behind the scenes. And yeah, anyone who doesn't like believe that they're not talking, I mean, come on. Yeah. There's it's a reason why every so often we hear crazy. like a little bit of a player rumor come out. Like, 
That was sorted out before the lockout, yeah. though. Like, there's that yeah. little say about Freddie Freeman. Like, come on, you mean to tell yeah. me Freeman isn't still talking to teams? And also, it took it took two months for that to come out. Yeah, like, yeah the during the two months, where there was just so much other news going on, they didn't bother to leak the Freddie Freeman <laughs> news. You know, there's just been so much happening in baseball. <laughs> oh man, it's it really is going to be madness when they work this out. It's you know, trades, free agency, everything else. It's going to be crazy. We're going to be here to cover it, guys. Um, you know, this is this is fun to, to cover this this lockout to kind of see, you know, which which things are being proposed and what they can't agree on. But hasn't been a very fun uh, offseason, obviously, in general, with there being a lockout, um, you know, and no baseball. Now we know there's going to be cancellations. But when things do resume, we're going to be back on Rum Bunch to, to cover it all. And guys on the website end. We're going to take it day by day through this whole thing. You know, maybe they do find an agreement tomorrow and we're able to to break that and get back on here and talk about, um, you know, what this 2022 season looks like. But until then, we still find ourselves uh, in this lockout. Guys, before we close it out tonight, anything else you want to share? No, the only thing I will add is however long this carries on, um, minor league games are set to start that first week of April. We will have plenty of minor league coverage up on the site. I'm sure we'll have minor league coverage on the podcast as well. So keep keep following along. We'll we'll at least have something to talk about baseball related here in a few weeks. Yeah, I keep bringing that into all my articles. You know, at least the one positive thing is being fans of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Like a lot of what we have to watch and look forward to is in the minor leagues. So, you know, at least in terms of prospects and you know their development, you know, hopefully. Uh, you know, we won't have to sacrifice too much and, you know, we'll get to at least, like Marty said, have something to to kind of pay attention to. I mean, some people might tell you being able to watch the minor leagues and watch these prospects develop without having to suffer through 90 plus lost season. Hey, that could be a win win. <laughs> Silver linings. <laughs> Got to look at the bright side here. Baseball's coming either way, guys. We are going to have it covered on rumbunter.com. Till next episode for Marty Leap and Nick Caparoso. My name is Trey Entity. Thank you guys for joining us for episode number 78 of Rumbunter Radio. Till next week, guys. Let's go, Bucks. know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours excursions and more in one place there are over 300 travel experiences to choose from so you can find something for everyone and viator offers free cancellation and 24 7 customer support for worry-free travel download the viator app now and use code viator 10 for 10 percent off your first booking in the app find travel experiences for you do more with viator save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.